welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today we are going to be talking about drugs, and not the illicit kind, the pharmaceutical kind. What are they, and how do we make them? So we know that drugs are molecules, so how do we figure out which molecule to make, and then how do we make it, and then where do we go from there? So there's a lot to talk about here. We did talk about big pharma in a previous episode, but this one is going to be a little bit more centered on drug development itself, the process of it all, and so to help us with this is Carolina Amador, and she has a PhD in bioorganic synthesis and medicinal chemistry, and now she works as a senior associate in business analysis at a biotech company. So she is a chemist by training and did synthetic chemistry, but now works on the business side in terms of drug development. So she has an interesting perspective on both sides. She knows uh, about chemistry and, and how to make molecules. And then she knows about all the things that chemists maybe don't know so much about because they're busy in the lab making the molecules. What do you do? How do you make the plan? And everything else on that side of things. So without further delay, let's get into this topic. How do we make drugs? But, uh, so, okay, so you came, you know, came over from work. You, you work as a business analyst. Uh, in, you're in, in the pharma mm-hmm. realm. Uh, just tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, so I actually, so I started as a scientist, right? I um, defended my PhD in December last year, mm-hmm. and I decided that I did not want to stay in the lab anymore. So I hear that. Yes, <laughs> I mean working in the lab is great, but you know you do have you do need a certain personality for it. I yeah. would say. Um, so I was more interested in the business side, mm-hmm. and I got this position as a business analyst which is great because it gives you a big scope um, of, you know, certain diseases that you work in Mm -hmm. uh, and you pretty much just analyze the business or, you know, their drugs, their potential drugs um, and you support marketing and, uh, you know, a lot of other functions. So it's a lot of like cross-functional team. So So you're a big picture. What should we do? How should we do it? Right. That kind of a thing. That okay. kind of a thing. As opposed to the poor fellow in the in the lab that has to go and make the That's right. Make the That's drugs. right. I mean, you know, everything is important because of you course. need scientists to make drugs, but then you also need uh, people that have a scientific background to how to get those drugs to the market. Exactly. Right? So that's the part I'm I'm now. Um, but I, you know, yeah. I'm a scientist by training. Absolutely. And that's because I want to talk all about this because I think this is very and, and I'm also very excited because I have on a lot of guests and uh, I, I, I'm i a generalist. So usually I have a, a basic understanding of what's going on. But I, I did study chemistry. So today I'm, re- I'm ready to like show yeah. my knowledge. <laughs> but uh, I do find that drugs are or medicine in general, obviously, is very misunderstood by the public. Mm-hmm. And I want to try to help people understand uh, what drugs are, how they work, how we mm-hmm. figure out what can work as a drug or how we're going to build a drug mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, just sort of demystify pharma in general is something that I like to try to do because <laughs> I, just, I don't know, it's, I, I want people to understand drugs in general. So I don't know, maybe we could just start super basic. What just, what is a drug? You know, I think people have a lot of connotations with that word, but mm-hmm. what's more of a textbook way of, of defining a drug? Wow. So a drug would be something that um, is targeting something Mm -hmm. in specific that you want to work on, right? Mm -hmm. So usually the end point is to treat a disease Mm -hmm. or at least, right, improve uh, some effects 
um, that the disease brings. Right. So improve quality of life. So what are some very basic ways that a drug can achieve this? Because I think that a lot of people without a chemistry background, they think of a drug and they, you take the pill or you do whatever you do and uh, some magic transpires and then you get a desired effect or you get some side effects or you get something. But like in terms of bioactivity, right? what, what are some of the ways that a drug will achieve something in the body? So the word magic is actually science, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not everything is fully understood, of course. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we do our best. Um, but, you know, it, 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 I think here it varies a lot, right? And, and also what is specific we are talking about. So um, you can target enzymes, uh, proteins, um, specific things inside the cells. Um, you can inhibit it, you can target it, you can probe it. There is, you know... A lot of things going on mm -hmm. so it does vary on the disease the target and you know right. ultimate, what you want to do so like a so like an enzyme or something mm -hmm. uh, it's got an active site and and mm -hmm. it, it's usually going to do some kind of chemistry and right. maybe in that particular person it's doing too much of that chemistry when it's not supposed to mm -hmm. or 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 it's it's a, not achieving the proper chemistry and then we've got a little molecule mm. it's going to fit right in there that's right and it's going to uh, talk about an inhibitor talk right. about that so you can talk you can it can be sorry, can be an inhibitor uh where whatever that enzyme is responsible for doing in the cell mm -hmm. we are stopping that process right. right so we are inhibiting whatever that enzyme is doing in particular mm -hmm. Um, we got a rogue enzyme. It's it's doing the wrong thing or right. doing it too much or whatever it is. That's right. For example, okay. um, you know, we we have um, enzymes in cancer cells mm -hmm. that are mutated, and so they just keep replicating cancer cells, right? Right. So if you find a way to inhibit that, then supposedly you right? stop in the theory. cancer. Yeah, that's right. And so I guess maybe the problem for cancer specifically is that there's so 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 many enzymes that are involved. In cell division, right? We've got the ones that are actually doing the DNA replication. Then mm -hmm. you've got the ones that are that are deter, you know, part of the cell cycle that say now we should divide or now we should do this. And right. So yeah. that's why it's very complex, right? Exactly. Cancer is, it has a Cancer lot of things is no going problem. on. <laughs> it has a lot of things going on. Um, other cases is instead of inhibiting, right? Mm -hmm. You can you can be like an agonist or antagonist mm -hmm. that you actually enhance that enzyme um, response. Right. Which can then, you know, bring something else. Um, so that would be the, disease. that'd be the opposite situation mm -hmm. where instead of stopping an enzyme, you're you're taking an enzyme that it lost the ability to do what it's doing, and then you make it For do example, what it does. Yeah. Are there other? Cause there was this one when I was doing a thesis. Uh, I was trying to s synthesize this molecule, and my advisor told me that he thought it was going to intercalate on DNA. He, th he said that that it was going to uh, stick right in between. Uh, some of the bases of DNA, uh, it was it knew the sequence. It just was going to go to that right mm -hmm. sequence, and it was going to stop replication at that site. Or is that something that's common, or, or I don't know. I mean, you can hear everything, right? Exactly. You can you you can literally come up with anything. Then if it works, um, I I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, did your case work? Did your well, project I work? couldn't finish <laughs> the synthesis, so we'll um, never know. Right. And that is why I right. do not have advanced degrees in chemistry. <laughs> right, but then that's the other thing, right? It, this is such a big picture, right? There's yeah. so many things that need to work out um, for us to get to the end goal of improving people's lives. Then, mm -hmm. um, like, like that step, right? Just in the lab, how do we make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. And so... 
Yeah, I, that is that is one of the main challenges I think to to arm the public with that mm-hmm. little bit of a basic understanding of like organic chemistry and biochemistry to know just the basics of what an enzyme is and just kind of what a molecule looks like. And you know, if we're gonna if we're going to look for an inhibitor of a particular enzyme mm-hmm. it's got to be a very specific kind of molecule the shape and the the you know uh, the the functional groups and everything so how do we screen for drugs if we if we're like okay if we know that the, the problem the reason that this disease is happening is this enzyme there's a problem mm-hmm. we know which one it is and we know we want to stop it okay. we know we want to inhibit it so how where do we go from there how do we know what to do um it's interesting, you know, because you already solved one of the things, which mm-hmm. is to have a target, right? Right. So let's say we want to um, stop these cancer cells, um, you know, reproducing themselves. Mm-hmm. So we have a disease, so we have a purpose, that's great, and we have a target, right? So um, there are a couple ways we can do this. Usually people do it all together. Um, so you should start definitely with literature, not right? Know what's out there, know mm-hmm. what people are doing. Um, and you can take those molecules already into account uh, for your search, for your next step. You, meaning others have tried to inhibit specific enzymes? or right. Okay, yeah. So you can do that. Um, you also have a lot of enzymes have a certain percentage of similarity. So you can, lo- you can look into similar enzymes that okay. have been you know, widely studied. Um, you know, like polymerases for cancer, you have so many, right? Mm-hmm. And they always have a, you know, a certain percentage of enzymes. Uh, identity um so that's one uh the second one we can let's say that you know we know someone that um started a company and um they actually were going for another treatment and they actually saw that their enzyme you know actually targets one of these polymerases so that's another one right we Mm -hmm. just use Mm -hmm. um these unexpected results from other companies that are actually you know not going to mm-hmm. work on it. You have this molecule that you wanted to do something and then you find out it does this other thing. Well, right. then you just run with that and see what you can do with that. Right. Or you see why, you know, why mm-hmm. is this uh, molecule actually doing this? Why we thought it was actually going to do something completely opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, the other option, which is very used nowadays, is the high throughput screening, right? So we have a um, chemical library and we just screen thousands and thousands of compounds for the target that we are looking for. And so then we get hits um, and we choose, you know, our thresholds mm-hmm. and our values and then we analyze those molecules. So let's say that we start with that. Actually, before we go, let mm-hmm. me, I want to uh, really understand. So there, there, are we talking like in vitro, like a bioassay? Mm-hmm. Is that, I don't, not, or, or, or we can also do like simulations too, right? Right. So uh, all of that comes kind of together I'd say but let's say we start with uh, screening right and then from those uh, the library of like 10,000 or 20,000 compounds you can have anything from like 10,000 to 100,000 right Mm -hmm. Uh, and these are small molecules a couple couple dozen atoms or so yeah small molecules and you know uh, this bioassay is actually looking to our target the one we want Um, so let's say out of that we we get like 250 results right Mm -hmm. so um you know, here also varies a lot if you work in academia, if you work in industry, uh, or, you know, if you and I are starting a company for mm-hmm. our cancer research, um, how much money we have. So, you know, it's going to vary a lot of things. But let's say from those 250 uh, compounds, we are going to analyze them, some of them manually. We are going to see what do they have in common. Um, we might be able to use some softwares that actually, you know, do this for you. 
people, let's say, you know, in the lab, you do it manually. Right. You look at them, you see um, what they have in common, right? Mm-hmm. And then you start cutting or you start seeing, okay, this part of the molecule is the same for everything, so let's just go with that, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're able to, from 250, you know, get it down. Um, and then from there, um, you start the computational analysis, right? So Okay, so it's, it's, it's you in the lab first. What, what, what it, ha- varies. it varies. So this okay. is usually a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So you, get, you have some molecules in mind um, that you find through, you know, whatever path you found them. And what are you physically doing? Uh, you're, you're, you, you, you need some biological material, right? You need some cells. Um, for the, the... How does the bioassay work? I don't even know is what right. I'm asking. So, so that kind of comes later. But okay. um, the high-throughput screening is a very robotic um, you know, assay. They do have their own assay, of course, mm-hmm. and usually it just comes with some uh, sensors, right, like fluorescence and things that give you... Um, oh, you're just looking for properties of the molecule. It, you just look for like binding affinities for the molecule to that target. Oh, to that. Okay, got to it. that target. Got it. So we're just looking at how this interacts with the enzyme. That's right. Okay. Um, so you know, usually, let's say the less uh, color you get, the fluorescence you get, then the biggest affinity. Or it, it does vary on the acid, though. Mm, less fluor. Okay, so the it the, varies. Okay, yeah, everyone has a difference, right? But, so it's but gonna it vary, has yeah. some property, but then when it binds, it does less of it. So right. We can see you can how you much can measure binds, yeah. right and so then all of these you say okay there's 250 and then like these 10 were the best and they all have a carboxyl group right here or something so that's mm-hmm. a really important feature or something, yes something like so that. then you see that one has a ring or that one mm-hmm. has like a three ring mm-hmm. so you kind of analyze them and combine them into you know types of molecules let's say okay right so let's say we have we have one with three rings that is aromatic the other one is just a linear molecule and then the other one you know whatever we can come up with like that we see so mm-hmm. um then here is when you start you can either go to the lab and start synthesizing and here is when the cycle starts so um let's say we there is one day we really think that's it right mm-hmm. so we're gonna go to the lab we're gonna make these molecules right we're gonna it's like a puzzle yeah right? and we're gonna talk a lot about that right so we're later. gonna put yeah. pieces together and we're gonna get these uh, molecules the end so the potion making i mm-hmm. had some friends there used to you know call me a potion maker so <laughs> um so y- you have that and then um if you do these bioassays and that's you know very that's you have to collaborate with biology so if i'm a chemist by training i'm usually not doing these assays but we have collaborators right, right? um and so those assays they come you know with pharmacokinetics pharmacodynamics um you know all those properties that we need to look at mm-hmm. so you look at that and you see okay this is good values but they could be better Okay, right? better binding. Better binding, better potency, uh, you know, better outcome pretty much between yeah. the target and the molecule. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we have those numbers, what we have to do is something called structure activity relationship, which means you keep improving and changing your molecule um, so that you try to optimize your outcome. Mm-hmm. Right? Move a carbon over here, turn yes. this carbon into an oxygen, this uh, slightly toy with the is that where the computer comes into play or so yes the computer helps here a lot because once you are able to actually get like a crystallography structure Mm -hmm. of your molecule with um, the protein or you know the enzyme Mm -hmm. then you look at it in the computer and you actually see pretty close to reality 
Right. You know, so we assume. That's fascinating. So you've, it is. you've got the enzyme and you mm-hmm. know the you you know the primary structure and you've right. got the active site and then you take your little molecule and mm-hmm. you just plop it right in there. Right. And then you see, oh, like this interaction is happening here, this inter- mm-hmm. and then you, it, do you do you then hypothesize uh, as to how the inhibition is occurring, like whether there's a covalent linkage, like a serine, mm-hmm. like a tax right here, and then that that and then that ruins the enzyme and that yes. kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah. So you look at it and you see, okay. So if this part of this mo- the molecule is completely inside the pocket, then it means it's very important, mm-hmm. right? So we need to optimize this part of the molecule and just make these bonds stronger. Okay. Right? So then, if you look at those. Um, amino acids in the protein around and you can say oh you know if we add like um carboxylic group here then we can have a hydrogen bonding with, mm-hmm. with that amino acid and even right. stronger yeah these are the interactions that are probably happening so if mm-hmm. we make these changes and we don't impact the 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 general shape of the molecule right. but we just add an, a, a, a change to a particular atom that will make a stronger right. uh, interaction that and should y- help and you can actually look at like distance right so yeah. you see oh i mean this group here just needs to be a little bit longer so that it right. actually sits in that perfect spot mm-hmm. then you just go back to your molecule and do that just right insert a carbon in that just, yeah, yeah just <laughs> click a button and the carbon is there <laughs> right um and and it goes to the other way around too right because you can have a big part of the molecule that is actually very difficult to you know synthesize and you can see that that maybe is completely out of the pocket so it, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter right, right? Mm-hmm. so then you save time right and you you go back in your synthesis and you change it but of course you know this is a cycle and mm-hmm. um it takes a long time uh, it depends how many people you have working on it too if it's only you then <laughs> mm-hmm. it takes a phd now how, how do you come up with the you, you we say we have these 250 so or so candidates uh, mm-hmm. how do we arrive at these are these hypothetical structures are these natural products have we found these in nature and we just know they have medicinal properties or yeah i mean that goes back to the literature search right mm-hmm. you'll find in scientific articles all that sort of answers um we don't work as much with natural products anymore okay. to be honest with you. you know this was something that you know it used to be done right um if you look at a natural product you know nature is perfect right so it's very complex Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to synthesize a natural product. And, you know, some people actually do their PhDs and, you know, careers in uh, natural product synthesis, but they don't, act, you know, not always, they actually try to find a medical purpose for it. Right. Sometimes um, it's just a feat, an impressive uh, intellectual feat to go, yep, I built that one. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know it's yeah. impressive because, uh, but a lot of times also it does not work. You know, I, I, right. I know a lot of, um, you know, scientists that, um, Everything worked except the last step. Oh, it's I mean, tragic. It, it is tragic, right? So, no, I mean, that's why I quit. I was doing, I had like a 20-step uh, total synthesis. Mm. And, you know, it, it, the, the, the problem is like, I wasn't even a good chemist. So <laughs> I wasn't even convinced that I could do chemistry that other people had already done. But my advisor gave me a thing where there was like some pretty hypothetical chemistry. There was right. like a weird, funky cuprate addition going on. And he was like, maybe this will work. And I'm like, maybe this will work. Well, if, <laughs> yeah. if we're not even sure it can work at all, then I'm not going to be able to, do, I'm not going to be the first one right. to be able to do this. And oh, you know, so to that point, like, I mean, what was your purpose, right? Like, how, what's yeah. your motivation to do it? Just build it. Right. To, to build it. It's like climbing a mountain. Why? Because it's there. I don't yeah. know. But then I guess the point is, uh, you know, if you pull off a transformation that's never been done before, then it's just mm-hmm. here is a thing you can do. And that's then someone right. else is trying to build a molecule for 
particular reason. So it's interesting because the, the first time I, I went to, it, it's interesting that you say that we don't look at natural products so much anymore. It wasn't even that long ago. I think 2005 was the first time I tried to go to grad school for chemistry. And there was a guy at UC Santa Cruz uh, uh, that uh, his group was pretty much all characterization. So he would, he had a team, they, they would go scuba dive and they'd mm-hmm. go find like a sponge at the bottom of the whatever. And they'd extract something and they'd, and then they'd take it home and then they'd just do NMR all day long, all day long and just get the structure and just figure out what it is and then that's that's like what they did and I was like well that's a cool group to join yeah, <laughs> just seriously. go scuba dive and stuff <laughs> but that's interesting so we, we kind of like over decades over the past few decades have a general sense of all the molecules that nature came up with and so we have that and now we're off to just inventing completely hypothetical ones right well I think your first part is a little of a stretch you know okay. like <laughs> I think there is many things we don't know yeah. um, I think for um, uh, you know medical point of view, right, mm-hmm. or medicinal chemistry, then it's always good to have um, a purpose for your molecule, right? Yeah. There are a lot of academics that still do natural products. And, uh, you know, as you said, it's a very challenging, but also very re- rewarding thing if you actually get to the last step. Uh, but in terms of, you know, industry, right, pharmaceutical companies, then mm-hmm. no. Yeah, what are the odds that a molecule yeah. that exists naturally would happen to be one that fits this unique situation of yeah. having to inhibit an enzyme in a way that nature never came up with? And they really are very difficult to make, make right? Yeah. So you have, you know, you, you want to improve people's lives uh, by curing, you know, in targeting diseases, but you, it needs to be efficient, mm-hmm. right? So you cannot just, yeah. you cannot have a bunch of chemists just trying to get to one molecule, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine scaling that up to tons of compounds. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I want to talk about process development a little bit later, mm. too. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me. I think one thing that I want the public to understand, uh, there's this tendency to romanticize nature. Uh, and, and so, to, uh, by extension, to romanticize the idea of a natural product as having better medicinal properties because it is of nature, whereas it's just, you know, it, there's if a, if a herb or a leaf or something has medicinal properties, there's an active ingredient in there. There's a molecule. Mm-hmm. It's not the leaf that is magic. It's There's a molecule inside there, and we can figure out what it is and extract it and build it ourselves, and it's right. that same molecule. In theory, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I, it's just that over thousands of years, we, even when we didn't know any chemistry, we're so curious, we just ate everything and mm-hmm. went, what does that do well that makes you die so let's not right. eat that and this one makes my back feel a little better so mm-hmm. okay who knows and that's probably helpful and, right that's that's no. true that's a good point <laughs> but uh yeah it's tough to get everyone up up to the, up to speed with organic synthesis is probably a tall order yeah and i mean you know a lot of people um and i don't want to go much you know into this because i think uh, scientists will have their own opinion on this but um a lot of people think um you know small molecules are actually um not going to be used that much in the in in the future right so they're going to focus more on biologics and antibodies right things that they have they are more specific to to link to certain targets I, my background, though, is, you know, small molecules, so right. I love them, um, and I try to defend them, but, um, you know. That's interesting to... and very confusing to me. I'm mm-hmm. not even sure I fully understand, because if we're trying to inhibit an enzyme, what could do that other than something small enough to fit into the active site of the enzyme? Right, that's right, but uh, the whole process, right, is very different, and then you have a lot of side effects, or you have to kind yes. of, you know, tone, you know, really be have a fine tuning on this, yeah. while antibodies are built specifically for 
a specific thing, right? So, right. so it's more selective. So therefore, it's gonna, uh, you know, for example, cancer, right? We are talking about um, how so many things are going on in cancer, right? And mm-hmm. and if we are trying to inhibit, <clears throat> if we are trying to inhibit, um, uh, you know, can, cancer cells just reproducing themselves, we always have. Um, the possibility with a small molecule that we are actually inhibiting our own cells, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is just an example. Um, and I'm not an expert in antibodies, so I cannot really yeah. talk much about <laughs> it. But um, yeah, I've, I've had scientist friends that are, mm-hmm. you know, really say this is the future. So it's just a completely different strategy. You're saying that, mm-hmm. that we could, rather than, I mean, it is true that the root of the problem is an enzyme act, uh, acting improperly, but rather than addressing that, it could be a completely different strategy of just having antibodies that can recognize cancer cells, a, a very particular, can- and just shred them up. Right, I mean, And yeah. it's just solving it that way mm-hmm. until all those. But that's interesting, though, because wouldn't, I mean, that would require that the mutated cell, th- there has to be something on the su- on the surface Mm-hmm. That That's is right. to be recognized, mm-hmm. whereas I, I don't know that much about cancer, but I can't imagine that every form of cancer is like that, right? I, I mean... I'm, I, I would not be surprised, to be honest, and really? I'm not an expert on that as well. Uh, so maybe you should bring someone, you yeah. know, antibodies. Actually, no, because I think it's a, um, a very mystifying thing, right? Yeah. Um, and we should have an expert actually explaining Definitely. these small things. Hmm. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, I, I, I hope to one day know more about all the types of cancer and what is very specifically different on the level of, of, of proteins, you know, mm-hmm. what, where the mutation is occurring and what that changes for gene expression, what the mm-hmm. protein products are doing. There's Everyone so wants to know yeah. everything about <laughs> cancer. You know, that's, that's the disease. That's the Holy goal. grail. Yeah. yeah, I know. But there's other ones. There's other good ones mm-hmm. that we got to figure out. We got to figure out Alzheimer's so and many Parkinson's things. and mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of good stuff. I, I, I'm very optimistic. I think that we're going to, figure all of them out all of it all of them no diseases no diseases uh, give us uh, 500 years oh oh okay. i think we could do it that's a <laughs> good chunk good. of time that, that's, that's <laughs> a I mean, lot of time if you look at the past if you look at 500 years ago there basically was not science so that, that's true i think that's a fair statement so that, that is if we're starting from galileo roughly it, yeah i look forward to the future then i guess <laughs> me, me too hopefully it goes quick enough that we can stick around for long enough uh, maybe we'll get up into the triple digits and really see some action oh my god definitely not <laughs> you don't want to live to uh uh over 100 oh uh i don't it depends you know i don't know yeah it depends that's a very philosophical question i, I don't want to live to a hun- over 100 and to be the way that a 110-year-old is today, that seems problematic. But, uh, you know, right. if I could freeze around in my 60s. Right. I mean, exactly. Right. If you can feel like, um, yeah, 60s when you're 100, then, yeah, sounds yeah. like a sweet deal. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're working with the aging, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. anti-aging. Yeah. I mean, my grandma is 97. Uh-huh. So. Wow. I know. That's pretty old. She's I, pretty old. Yeah. She has seen it all. <laughs> she, Yeah. That's that's like depression era. Yeah, she's that's she's incredible. Unique. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we did the assay, we did our modeling, um, and we uh, we we have a target. So mm-hmm. we decided this is the one that we want to work with. So what happens next? Target? You mean molecule? Yeah, we've got a molecule. Okay. Uh, we, we yeah, we know what we're working with. What happens from there? Okay, so once we have, let's see, so. Here you are passing a little bit out of 
the academic part, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because usually that's what happens, right, in the academic uh, lifespan, especially for a PhD. So uh, you get a moral kill, then you keep improving, and once you have something good, then you start uh, after all the in vitro tests, right, all the assays, all those things, uh, and um, affinity and all those measurements, then you go into in vivo models, right? Mm -hmm. So you start testing on small animals and, you know, so mm -hmm. you do preclinical. But I mean, prior to that, we, we, we have to synthesize the thing, right? We have to oh, yeah. come up with and, and, uh, and uh, you know, perfect mm -hmm. our pathway, right? Is there anything we can oh, talk about? Oh, for drug op, okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Because we got we to gotta build it ourselves in relative mass quantities, and we also have to make it mm -hmm. pretty efficient. That's right. I mean, um, you also do animal studies before that. Oh, okay. Right? Just so you cause, need... Yeah, because uh, why mean, are we going to waste all our time yeah. if it's going to be this terrible thing that's going to yes. hurt an animal? Okay. Yes, um, yeah. and... and Sometimes, you know, things work in vitro and then they do not work in vivo mm -hmm, at all, mm -hmm. right? Because in vitro is an artificial system. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so you do need, you know, some uh, grams that you need or milligrams depending for in mm -hmm. uh, animal studies and then so you, you scale it up. build a little bit of it, synthesize yeah. a little bit of it, and then we do some tests. Is, is it the case that we understand all of the proteins in the body to an extent that we could take a structure and kind of run it through an algorithm and it'll and it'll light up and go hey this molecule might also do this it might inhibit this other thing or it, is there can we predict side effects essentially um that's a good question i would say um literature wise we could right mm -hmm. types of molecules or um um yeah, like types of molecules that we already know that have those side effects independent of like, you know, the disease and the right. target. Um, if there is an algorithm, I'm not sure, but sh someone should create that. Somebody definitely should. Because, it, yeah. Like here like are all the hundreds of thousands of proteins in the body right. or enzymes or receptors or whatever it is. And uh, here, let me put the molecule in. Here you go. And right. then it goes, oh, it, you know, 40% probability that it will inhibit that sounds protein yeah. x here you know that'd be great yeah but I, I i don't know i'm not familiar with it i'll get my think tank on it yes yeah, we're gonna get working on that tomorrow <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> yeah um so we we is there uh, being from a synthetic chemistry mm -hmm. uh background i i'm fascinated by the uh by the by the synthesis of it is there anything to talk about in terms of okay we 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 did the uh preliminary in vivo tests and now we are planning on on mass producing i'd love to talk about the basic synthetic pathway and then a little later like the process uh, development of you know of of scaling way up to like a kilogram uh scale mm -hmm. and uh any any kind of challenges there or interesting anecdotes success stories failures that kind of a thing um well i don't have experience in that right mm -hmm. so i've never um when i was a roche though in switzerland before coming to the us i did visit one of these um parts of the company where you actually scale up and you produce like tons of compounds yeah and it's insane it's like a submarine yeah you know you, you'll go down like four or five floors and you have these huge reactors you know that yeah. are making your drug and then you have these small windows like like a submarine that you can look 
at it, what is going on inside. Color looks good. <laughs> it's it's crazy. You I know? know it's insane. It's Be- insane. Just like the chemistry that we know how to do. Like oh, I take my round bottom flask and I take my pipette and I do the thing and it, uh-huh. and it's like okay. Whereas I would put 50 mils of something into this flask. Right. When you scale up, you got to put 10 liters. Oh, that's of this reagent, or, or I don't even more. I, more. I have no yeah, idea how much you put in there. Yes, it's. Um, I cannot give you an idea. It's it's a lot. So you've seen all this equipment and all I've this crazy seen it. stuff. Yeah, and- I've seen it. I talk with some people. Uh, these um, for you know small molecules, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know one of the challenges they have is that we in the lab as researchers, right? We use all types of solvents that are not good for the environment, right? Mm-hmm. But you use like, you know, 500 microliters or, right. you know, 10 milliliters, right? Yeah. So you cannot use that, right? When we are producing thousands, you know, like tons of, of mm-hmm. drugs. So mm-hmm. um, they have to pretty much restructure the whole thing. The whole synthesis is completely changed when you have to scale it up. That's incredible. It's it's like they have, so now it's the opposite, right? We as researchers had um, a molecule in mind and we just get like our way to get there, right? Yeah. And now they have this molecule, they know it works. It's the one we, we you know, we are yeah. going to focus on. We know it works and we know it can be built. Right. We know that. Yeah. But now they have the, the entire synthesis. It's, you know, I mean, they, I'm sure they look at it and they focus on some things, but Honestly, it's not that relevant for them because really? so we, we use, really scrap all. I mean, sometimes some of it is retained, or or it's um, really just totally different. I think it's gonna vary, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the cases. But for example, one of the uh, solvents we use a lot in organic chemistry is like dichloromethane, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that has two chloros. You cannot use that. That's not good for the environment, right? Mm-hmm. So the environment can take a little bit of it when you are in your chemical hood, right? And it's evaporating to you know yeah uh the outside but it cannot take tons and tons of mm-hmm. of it um so i think that's actually pretty fascinating and to you know talk with these people and try to see how they can improve those methods um it's it's very it's it's a very unique process but i also think you need to be a very good like you need physical chemistry uh you know more than organic synthesis because well, it becomes very technical yeah I mean, when you're when you're perf- when you have a step that's that's lightly exothermic, you know, in the in the lab under the hood, okay, it it warms up a little bit, yeah. and the the flask is warm to the touch. Mm-hmm. When you scale up like that's that, true. you're gonna start fires or explosions or something. Right. Yeah. yeah, and even you know the way we start, like our building blocks for the molecule are gonna change for them, uh-huh. right? They don't have to start with the same things. They probably already have very good processes developed for you know a couple of. Um, building blocks and then they try to use those and 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 make them molecules. Mm-hmm. So the entire synthesis is redone. Mm-hmm. What I'd love to hear more because I'm I'm unfamiliar with it about uh, the apparatus and the instruments and anything you could speak to about about this for the scale up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, not much that what I've seen already, you know, and and that I said is mm-hmm. this just really huge. Um, reactors or you know bioreactors um for small molecules it's um if you know i don't know if your listeners if they work in pharmaceutical companies um but if Mm -hmm. they do or you know biotech firms they should definitely just go to their process development people and ask to see like you can actually do that Mm -hmm. um i haven't done it at my current company but i I did it the last one and Mm -hmm. it's fascinating you you really should 
And like, what what about like with chem? Because like, you, you can't just—it's not just like a big cauldron, and then you just dump stuff in. <laughs> right. Like, because there's chemistry mm-hmm. that's that's atmosphere sensitive. So, right. you know, when we would do chemistry in the in the lab, you know, you've got your little manifold, and you got your argon balloon, and you mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you just you okay, we got this tiny bit of air, and we got rid of that. But like, if you're doing that much, I mean, everything's got to be super sealed and 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 pressurized in a special way. And then yes. like, how do you then get? reagents in there and how, right. how do you so, mix it like so how, how big of a stir stir bar yeah oh my god that's <laughs> stir how do, like that's my question how do you stir this thing like i want to so know funny. all these little details right. here yeah i mean the, i i i understand i i feel you know it's very fascinating <laughs> but i i i really uh-huh. don't have the experience on it okay. but um so the, it's not like this right that you use one flask and then you take your things and you put in another flask so this is all a continuous process yeah majority of cases one pot but, and and so they have these things are so huge that they can pass them through reactor to another reactor you see so they can mm-hmm. they they can make you know all these liquid and all these reaction material going to flow to different parts of the reactor mm-hmm. right um so then uh you at the end after after getting through all these parts of the you know the reactors then you get what you want um and then you know purification and you know, like we oh use God. we use these chromatographies, right, in research. The biggest column you've ever seen. Like that does not happen, right? So yeah. you understand that even when a process development, uh, you know, chemists are looking at this, they need to understand what are the side, you know, compounds. Yeah, um, you need to. Know, yeah. So the whole thing is a it's a whole different chemist. It's a chemistry. Yeah. It's very different from what we do in the lab as, you know, one person. Right. Yeah, and you know, um, to that point, I think. <clears throat> It would be good to um, have these sort of educational programs, right, while we are doing your PhD. So you understand <clears throat> things outside, Yeah. you know, you're j- just being in the lab. What is done with your work when mm-hmm. you're done, then these crazy folks are going to do this, right. uh, this uh, crazy In the real stuff. life, right? Yeah. Like what is actually being done? And I think that mm-hmm. for me, you know, because I have all those questions that you have, I also have all those questions. Yeah. And now working more on the commercial side, I also have a lot of questions of things that I've never heard, right? So right. Um, so I think there is um, there is this very big separation, you know, between what we do in the lab mm-hmm. and how other people and companies are actually working. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's move on and speak up to mm-hmm. a bit more of that side as well. So you know we 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 we've outlined many of the steps in some detail in terms of identifying a target and synthesizing it and you know okay we've got our drug and so uh, what where do we go from there? What's the next step? Um, so after you actually manufacture or you know yeah okay. So now we have tons and tons and tons of compounds, right? Mm-hmm. Of molecule. Uh, we know it works. That's what we want. Um, so here is where um, you know commercial, the commercial side, you need to develop a brand, right? Mm-hmm. Early on, you also need um, um, clinical trials, of course, first in human, right? So you have to go phase one, phase two, phase three. Um, what are those? Um, so. So after you do, you know, in animals and you know that you have to start to do uh, clinical trials in people, mm-hmm. right? So phase one is smaller and you look at more safety, um, efficacy for, you know, this drug, side effects and all. You just uh, get there's volunteers and they know that there's a risk and... Right. I mean, uh, the process, um, the enrollment, enrollment process varies a lot if it's like the US, if it's Europe. So... Um, mm-hmm. It varies a lot, so I cannot really speak to that. Um, but um, yeah, so you enroll people, um, 
and phase one is smaller, right? And then if that works, um, you know, you report everything. Yeah. Then you go to phase two. Get and some more people. More people. And then phase out. three is like the... Tons of people. The most important one that will help you go to market with. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, this is not just done. Like you have to do... Um, you have meetings with the Food and Drug Administration. Yeah. You need to talk, you know, have to be compliant about all these, you know, rules and, and everything. Um, so you kind of need, you know, FDA is actually good. You know, you have meetings with them and they kind of guide you in some things that you could do that it will potentially help, you know, this drug to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, imagine doing all that and then you know well, does not yeah, get approved <laughs> because the thing is that's why the, the pharmaceutical industry has such a high profit margin right because mm-hmm. one in, in every certain amount of times you spend 20 billion dollars to, to develop this drug and then you're like either it's not approved or it we at the very end we figured out it doesn't work you know in phase two or phase three of trials we're like oh no this is a problem so we can't use mm-hmm. this drug you just so much money can just evaporate like it's not like you're yeah. a carpenter and you're like oh i built all this stuff and well it's got monetary value somebody will buy it you know i mean yeah it's, it's a lot of completely money. unique in mm-hmm. terms of industry and it's completely unique in terms of risk factor yeah and the people you know like the yeah. employees right yeah they gotta it's, get paid and they, you yeah. know just because the drug didn't work doesn't mean that this guy or this gal over here doesn't get paid for three years Right. Uh, that it took or mm-hmm. five years or whatever as you know along with hundreds of other people presumably so yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah so that's just interesting to me yeah and you see like a lot of times that companies you know their assets fail or something you have hundreds of people mm-hmm. losing their jobs right yep. it's not just you know, three people. It's, yeah. it's especially 100. a smaller pharmaceutical company that's kind of putting most of their mm-hmm. eggs in one basket. They're like, oh, we think this one's really going to work, and then, oh, it didn't. All right. Uh, yeah, oh, it's well. true. It's true. Yeah. Um, but if they do work, right? That's that's. Then you're in business. <laughs> then yeah. You're then in you business. can then you can have two baskets that's on the right. next round. Yeah, that's right. And you can have market exclusivity for you know it varies, but like ten right. years. Right. Yeah, say, that's, that's the standard, right? So mm-hmm. you you get your patent. Right, mm. and you're like, hey, this Several. is yeah. You get some patents. <laughs> or, or how does that work? Uh, uh, you get patents for everything you can get for the right. structure itself. The, 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 the structure, the, the way you make it. Um, it can oh, also the, be the, the process itself. Yeah, yeah it could be. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it varies a lot, right? And you know, companies know all this, so they need yeah. to go around everything they can find, right? Yeah. Um, if you have then devices, then you actually you can also patent the devices that uh, you used in a particular step of the for that drug. Oh, because sometimes people. People innovate new apparatus right. in order to be able to. Oh, we have this problem. <laughs> we need to do this in this step, and there is nothing in existence that currently does that. <laughs> right, and <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, and you can use, you know, like the injection pens or yeah. uh, transdermal. So, so many things. It's so go complicated; around. it yeah. makes your head spin. I mean, you need <laughs> engineers, you need chemists, mm-hmm. you need all these people. But to, that, they, yeah, that, that's another aspect I think people don't understand about patents, and they and they criticize. The, 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 pro- the process with patents and everything but it's like look we just spent all this money mm-hmm. somebody's going to leak this information then so and so other companies are just going to start developing this tomorrow and then compete and undercut us it's like we need if there were if, if patents didn't exist no drugs would get made ever Right, like because the companies happen. need an incentive, I guess. Exactly. But, you know, you need to you need to profit off of your labor. Right, but you know, this is um, I I would say this is a very gray area, right? Mm-hmm. Because then um, you have examples that it's true. You know, you take so many years, and and the companies need that money back. You know. Yeah. Um, but then also, 
some of the drugs are very expensive, right? If they are yeah. the only drugs on the market. And and so, you know, you can argue, right. argue both ways. But, but that's why I think the 10-year... Uh, lifetime makes sense, mm. right? Because if you want to be a greedy jerk, mm. <laughs> then fine, be a greedy jerk for 10 years. But year 11, guess what's <laughs> going to happen? You got five, however other many companies that are, they're going to make it. And if they, if they offer it for 20% of what you're paying for it, mm. you are out of business or you, you know, you have to, yeah, there has to be competition, of course, in any right. market. So mm -hmm. I think that, I, I mean, I, I don't know much about any of this, but just from my standpoint, a 10 year patent makes sense to me, you know, you recoup and then mm -hmm. you, then you, after that you have to, you have competition. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sure, you so. know, you had opinions for everything, but mm -hmm. I think 10 years does sound really Sounds good to I me. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's probably lobbying for more or something. Or. I mean, you know, it does vary a lot also, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah. I mean, some patents, you know, people can go around them because they're not very well done. So then, mm -hmm. you, you know, you cut it short. So it, it varies. Okay. And so, okay, so so everything worked out. You got your patent, and and uh, well, so you uh, then you need the advertising geniuses, right? Because you need right. your name. You what need goes, a brand. You need colors. You need a message. Yeah, right? you need the commercial, and you need all right. the stuff. I'm always fascinated by by the process of naming drugs. Oh yeah, actually, I don't know anything about that, and I think that's very funny because sometimes I breed some drugs, mm -hmm. and I was like how you know yeah no it's a completely made up word but it's it's obviously like this is the one aspect of drug development that just has nothing to do with anything mm -hmm. it's just like a focus grouped word mm -hmm. like how did they come up with tylenol you know i don't know i don't know what is that tylenol like it's just they, they just figure out these syllables are aesthetically pleasing together you know like some of them a lot of them have x's i guess mm -hmm. x's are good like it just sounds really druggy officially. Tylenol druggy. doesn't have an X. Though. Not Tylenol, but I don't know, like <laughs> Minoxidil or something. Like they all sound like that, you know? Yeah, I don't know. The brand names, I mean, the compound names, it's different, right? Oh, the compound so name is, that's, yeah, um, that's totally separate. But, you know, nobody says acetaminophen. They say Tylenol, right. you know, the right. way they say Kleenex instead of uh, you know, uh, tissue, you know? Right, <laughs> so, that's funny, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. I actually don't know. I, I wonder about that a lot. I, I'm sure there is a lot of discussion about brand names, right? Mm -hmm. So you need market research, you need marketing people, but then I'm sure, you know, scientists are also involved. So it's like, I don't know how, I don't know, I I'll, I wanted to be in one of those rooms, you yeah. know, where people are having discussions about the name mm -hmm. because it must be fascinating. Like. I think so. Yeah, that, that's that's pure sociology. Like mm -hmm. that you you've yeah. left. It's not a. It's yeah, completely unrelated. I I would think scientists wouldn't even be involved in that. I mean, at that point, you've just got executives choosing a name of a thing. You know, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I think we've hit a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about screening and then synthesis and process development. Um, I would just love to know any kind of, uh, examples or, or, you know, in terms of synthesis, in terms of drug development, is there anything that stands out in your head, like either as a personal anecdote or as like a historical thing where we achieved something very impressive? We just we we figured out this oh this one is going to work, and then it, and then it's a great success story, or maybe just this incredible failure, or you know something that went totally awry in developing a drug, or any kind of just because this I, I I am only tangentially knowledgeable about this. Mm -hmm. uh, field and I'd love to know just some interesting 
stories or tidbits? Let me see. Um, so I would definitely have more in the lab, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's where I spent like eight years. Okay. Um, and, you know, I found that working in the lab is, is fascinating in some ways and is miserable, like in another ways. I hear that. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I think it was, it was interesting. So I did have me and my colleague, we shared the lab. Um, and she's an amazing organic chemist. Like she actually is the hardcore OCHEM, right? Mm-hmm. I do, I did like OCHEM slash medicinal chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes you work with some catalysts like palladium. Um, and if you let it dry, then it can actually, you know, get on fire. Oh, wow. So things like these are like if you use sodium, we, we well, we use uh, actually a lot. Um, we had some tiny explosions in the lab. Mm-hmm. So um, that's funny. Um, I remember one time I was, you know, in my hood working. We always had very loud music. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, everyone's got their own little setup. It was great. Yeah. It was great. I thought that was actually one of the things I was going to miss the most, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and one time I just hear like a bang. And... She was so red. Okay, she was near the sink, so red, just, you know, pouring From embarrassment water. or from the explosion? She got scared because oh, okay. it was an explosion, but I didn't even notice because yeah. the music is so loud, you know? And I was like, oh, now I understand why they have all these regulations about, you know, like you cannot wear, like, headphones, you know, like, while you yeah. are in the lab. No. It's like, oh, now I get it. Um, so that happened uh, the other time. Um, it was funny. She dropped some um, solvents. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, our instinct is to clean it up, right? Mm-hmm. But actually, that's not a very good instinct because if the solvents are volatile, you mm-hmm. can just actually leave it and, you know, close the lab, leave, and they will evaporate, right? right? But then we, we, for some reason, didn't do that. And we are, we're cleaning and we start seeing our boots were actually melting. <laughs> <laughs> so we made a mess. Um, oh, and I do hope my advisor does not hear this. Um, but, you know, I already have my PhD. Yeah, so it's fine. You're, you're safe now. Um, but you cleaned it up. You never found out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there is stains in the lab, mm-hmm. right? All over the lab. So I think those two moments were, yeah, were really nice. We did have to step out for a second because we um, we had so much, you know, the vapor. We Right. Yeah, that we kind of needed to go out. Well, it could have been worse. Um, it could have been worse, but you know, there's so many things. You smell acid yeah. and you didn't want to, I don't know. Yeah, there's got to be... Acid in the lab. Let yeah. me clarify this. <laughs> I, oh, well, yeah, that, yeah, I, uh, well, you know, even if it's the other kind of acid, just smelling it doesn't really achieve That's the right. desired effect. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, there's all these, you know, we, uh, coming into contact with the different substances probably have mm-hmm. some long-term effects, but... Uh, oh, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm glad I'm not, I don't work around uh, carcinogenics yeah. anymore, but... Yeah. Um, Everything was uh, carcinogenic. Are some people bench chemists like through to retirement? Uh, yeah. Wow, that's that's a that's a tough life. Like, yeah. Because I think a lot of people are like, you know, like, like if you go into academia and you're and 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 you and you are leading a lab, then you're probably presumably still doing some chemistry, but maybe not even any. You're just telling all your grad students mm-hmm. what to do, and you're sitting in your office and making your plans. And yeah. so I, I I see it as like something that you do in your twenties and thirties, and then you yeah. Do something. I mean, um, I think it varies a lot, though. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in the labs I work in Portugal, um, it was like eight people per lab. Mm-hmm. So you have professors coming in and staying there all the time, right? Yeah. Because you start talking with one student, and then you have eight others to talk to so you do spend a lot of time in the lab here mm-hmm. my experience in the u.s it's not like i rarely saw my advisor you know and when i did yeah. it was not in the lab mm-hmm. so i think it varies but 
yeah, I mean, it's not a healthy environment to, um, you know, work around forever. Yeah, no. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear just a, a tiny explosion was the worst that you that you uh, saw. I mean, some of you, I hear about uh, the, the girl at UCLA and the, the ter- oh, turbidal lithium. Yeah, that's crazy. <sighs> My gosh, you just, you read that and you're like, I can't even believe that this could happen. Just... Yeah, that's crazy and it can happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's important to, um, it's important to know and know the safety before. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, it's it's crazy. Really, you know, serious things can happen. So. Absolutely. And then there are other things that you can choose to not do, right? But you still do them instead. So I had this friend. Uh, we bought a new bottle of um, ethanol, mm-hmm. so pure ethanol. And she decided to take a shot. Right. <laughs> so that's not good. You should not make those types of mistakes. Because green alcohol is 95% ethanol. Right? Yeah. What's harmful about drinking straight ethanol? I mean, it burns, mm-hmm. right? It's, it can be poisoning. So yeah. you need, like, you, you know, like it has to be like really a little. So yeah. I actually said when I defended my PhD, I was going to do it. But I didn't. <laughs> you chicken. So I, <laughs> I, I, I know better, I guess. It's okay. You can just drink regularly That's like the rest I mean. of us. Just go out and get <laughs> yeah. some liquor. And, I just uh, wanted to be like a real chemist. Right. That's right. Once. But then I was like, oh, what if I go to the hospital because of this? Like, yeah. I, I already suffered say. enough for five years. Yeah, I can't say I ever did that either. But it's like I, I heard of a, a like an older chemist that had been in the habit of drinking laboratory ethanol, oh. and then his vision was starting to go. Not necessarily because of his activity in the lab, maybe just because he was getting older for those reasons. Mm-hmm. But then he began to uh, accidentally drink methanol oh, instead no. of ethanol, and that's extremely harmful. How do you for, accidentally do that? I yes. just, he saw, I don't know, he just, he misread the... He's not late, a good chemist. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if he was 70 that's or 80 scary. or something. Oh, what I it see. was, I mean, I think he got pretty old, but and, and I don't even understand the biological reasons that one less carbon is going to make that difference in the body and actually be harmful, but... Um, yeah apparently it is and it's a lot yeah, so, yeah. oh that's crazy <laughs> so that's crazy there's but a I lot mean, of danger back in the day you know they kind of they you know a lot of them use themselves like they, they yeah. used to stay so long in the lab right that either you start doing these sort of things uh because you go crazy i guess mm-hmm. or you know you can you, you can use those skills to a better use like i have a lot of friends that you know brew uh beer right right or you know distill you know Whatever. So yeah, it's kind of or fun. just cook or something. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, no, it's crazy because I I read that uh, a long time ago, like before we had all these modern characterization techniques, the chemists would taste yeah the product right. to go. This is like you know probably late 19th century mm-hmm. or even or early at 20th early mm-hmm. 20th at best but it's like well they didn't have an nmr spectrometer they didn't have an ir that's spectrometer. right i mean it's like what is this mm, oh tastes like uh yeah that's that's the right thing yeah <laughs> they have to prove it yeah this is insane it's crazy <laughs> do that. but you know i wouldn't go that far because um uh, as part of a phd you actually have to teach right you, you yeah. teach like uh college students mm-hmm. and i was teaching general chemistry and mm-hmm. you know for some reason students that don't know about chemistry or that are not even in science, right? Because you have a lot of these mandatory yeah. courses. Um, he would ju- they would like pipette with their mouth. I could not believe what I was saying. I was like, is yeah. this a US thing? No, even <laughs> even a solvent, you don't, you don't want that. I mean, it's what, crazy. Yeah, it just, was crazy. But as a rule of thumb, just don't, don't, yeah. Yeah. don't consume any of the compounds. I was very scared, but some yeah. people do have that reflection mechanism. I don't know. 
Well, only a select few. I think natural selection has weeded them out <laughs> uh, centuries ago. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> well, I think we learned a lot. We Not just about drug development, but a number of cautionary tales mm-hmm. about what to, not to do in the lab. Um, but th- I think that was pretty interesting. I, I definitely learned a bit about... Uh, you know, screening, I, I, I am fascinated and remain fascinated about this process of, uh, you know, what is a drug? How, what what molecule is going to work, right? How mm-hmm. do we figure it out? How do we build it? And how do we, you know, market it and ship it around? And everybody <laughs> can have it and we can cure all the diseases. So In 500 years. In so. 500 years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going down. I'm on the record <laughs> making that prediction. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much for coming by and uh, sharing your knowledge. My pleasure, Dave.